Today we are dedicating our show to you, the callers, both your questions and uh, comments. So we'll give you a chance to call in. Before we do, and of course that's always, as always, on Twitter Spaces. So just head over there, and you'll see uh, once you enter the Spaces that you can just hit the request button. Caleb has a cool cartoon to show you how to do that. And then once I call you up, you'll be streaming on multiple platforms, and then you have to unmute yourself, and you'll have a chance to. There is that cool cartoon that Caleb has created for us. Before we do get to the uh, calls and questions though i'm going to bring in uh, my friend bobby chacon he's a uh, former fbi agent who worked uh, organized crime and counterterrorism. Uh, he also founded the underwater forensic program for the fbi and developed that and uh, he's the ideal person to tell us about what went wrong what might have happened there these days he's a technical advisor story consultant and writer for movies and television uh, you'll recognize bobby has been on this stream many times uh, so let's get to it our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I want to share with you a teeth whitening system that goes beyond merely enhancing your smile. Primal Life Organics Real White Teeth Whitening System offers convenience and rapid results without harsh chemicals. Light, blue light for whitening, red light for gum and oral hygiene, and you can just do both if you wish. Works naturally, promoting gum healing, tooth remineralization, gives you a brighter and a healthier smile. Again, no peroxide involved. Consistent usage yields remarkable results. Take this opportunity to transform your smile and at the same time, optimize your oral health. Aim for five times a week for the best outcomes. Discover more about this remarkable teeth whitening system and other products at drdrew.com primal today. That again is drdrew.com P-R-I-M-A-L. Be sure to use that link for 60% off drdrew.com slash P-R-I-M-A-L. Do it today for 60% off. You can spend thousands of dollars trying to look a few years younger, or you can skip all of that hassle and go with what works. Genucel Skincare. Genucel is the secret to better skin. In fact, you might have witnessed the astonishing effects of Genucel during a recent unplanned moment on our show. When just a little Genucel XV restored my skin within minutes right before your eyes. That's how fast these products work. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at Genucel.com. Susan and I love Genucel so much, we've created our own bundles so you can try our favorite anti-wrinkle treatments, correcting serums, and ultra-retinol creams. Just go to Genucel.com Drew. Use the code Drew for an extra discount and free priority shipping. Again, that is genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. So here we are. Uh, as I said, we're going to be discussing first this tragedy uh, of the submarine that uh, 
apparently disintegrated while attempting to examine uh, the Titanic. Uh, I personally have had trouble. I have a little claustrophobia and just the idea of this whole thing was almost too much for me to, to not turn away from this story. Uh, it's tragic. It is sad. We have, you know, two billionaires, I guess, on board with their family members. It just is an awful story. But uh, it, it's a reminder that when, you know, people are doing high-risk uh, sort of activities, shit happens. It's just the nature of things. Uh, and we, you know, you, we sign these waivers all the time about risk of death, and people think, well, of course that couldn't happen. Well, of course it could happen. That's why we sign these waivers. Let's bring Bobby Chacon in, who is an uh, underwater expert. He uh, set up the underwater forensic program for the FBI. Uh, Bobby, welcome as always. Did I get your uh, your your stuff right in terms of what you're pre doing presently, writing, technical advisor, story, consultant, and where can people find you if they uh, want to know more? Well, bobbychacon.com or my YouTube channel, either one. I usually try to post there at least once a week, twice a week. Fantastic. So what do you imagine happened here? Uh, I think there was probably a problem before they even left the surface. I think there was probably a, a breach, a, some kind of uh, breach in the integrity of the hull of that vessel. And um, it didn't become apparent until they got to a certain pressure. Um, because, you know, on Monday when I was exploring this, I had my first uh, appearance on Tuesday on the news. Um, but when I did my analysis on, on Monday, I, I noticed that they lost communication during the descent phase. So there are three phases, descent at the bottom, ascent, right? Uh, first phase is increasing pressure. Middle phase is constant pressure as long as the bottom is, is fairly stable. And then the ascent is the decreasing pressure again. So it happened. They lost communication during the increasing pressure phase of the dive. And so that usually indicates that they reached a point where the pressure was able to exploit the breach in that hull. And uh, that would mean at that depth, at that pressure, a catastrophic failure uh, and implosion of the, of the hull. I said this on Tuesday on the news. I said it's worst case scenario, but in my estimation, that's probably what happened. And, and we learned this earlier today that that is, looks like what exactly happened. And would they have had any warning? Would there be a noise? Would they understand they were in trouble or would it just be milliseconds and that's the end of it? Yeah, so no, it depends on the breach. So they do have sensors that kind of would indicate whether or not um, a breach was occurred and whether, whether pressure was uh, coming into the vessel. Um, however, um, that's if the, if the breach was small enough, it was contained and controlled. There are certain breaches and certain pressures that it would happen instantaneously. Now, um, they have had situations on this very vessel before where they were able to communicate certain things. They would come back up and, and scrub the mission. Here, there was no sense that the, that the people on board knew there was a problem at the time that communication was lost. Um, and I have to think that communication was lost at the time of the implosion. I don't think there was two problems. In other words, a communication problem and then a hull problem. Right. I think they lost communication right. at the very time, at the very moment that that imploded. So, to your question, I think that it was immediate and it was catastrophic. Do they have a sense of what depth that was? I mean, a lot of people don't appreciate that the vessel drops, descends for two and a half hours. That's an incredible. It just drops at a pretty good rate too. Yeah, so they, I think they were probably close to the bottom. They were certainly more than halfway there. They were probably mm. more than three-quarters of the way there. 
they were an hour and a 45 mm. minutes into like a two and a half hour journey. So you can do the math. And, and, and I think that they were, you know, fairly close to mm. the bottom. Um, and, and yeah. they got to that point where they, you know, quite frankly, they may not have even known, uh, it, it might've happened yeah. so quickly. They, they might not even realize. And back to your, the word you were using breach. Can you give us an example of common breaches? What exactly we're talking about? Well, sure. I mean, the, the, the most common one people can think about in layman's terms would be a crack, like a, a small mm -hmm. a pinhole crack um, in, 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 the, in the vessel. Um, or in, in this case, it probably wasn't that apparent. It was probably a weakness that developed. So when these, when these um, vessels go down, up and down on these missions, and this isn't the first time this vessel has been used, they get compressed and then they come back up and they expand. They compress and they expand over the lifetime. You have to you have to throw some of these things away sometimes because just that process of going under pressure and getting contracted and then getting expanded, weaknesses develop in the walls of, of that vessel. Weaknesses that unless you're doing complete X-rays of that every inch of that vessel every time it comes up, you may not see. You may not see a weakness develop. And so, in in my guess, a weakness developed that wasn't seen that wasn't probably detected by whatever they were using to do their post-dive um, analysis the last time at Doe was last season. This was the first time this season, yeah. this weather season. So the, whatever analysis they put that vessel through um, probably did not detect that weakness. Um, but this, these pressures at that depth are just un, otherworldly. And I think that, you know, that weakness uh, was exploited by that pressure causing a catastrophic yeah. Um, implosion. I had a friend whose brother was a MIT metallurgist. I remember in college and I was talking to him and he was studying potential for wing failure in aircraft. And uh, he freaked me out a little bit by pointing out that all metal, all metal has a, has a failure point. There's no such thing as a metal that will not fail. They all fail. But in aircraft, particularly, of course, military aircraft, whatnot, this was all very tightly controlled and regulated. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of orders of magnitude beyond safety, even though there's still some finite risk. It's very tiny. What, in, an, in a situation like this, who's regulating? Who's watching? How do they know if, they're, uh, if their safety standards are up to any standard at all? Well, I mean, the same thing happens in aircraft, like you said, but, you know, some we've lost people with these experimental aircrafts that they're building in their own garages, right? We've seen those, what, what, yep. what they used to call those, the, the, I forget what they used to call those experimental aircrafts that people used to fly and crash. Um, yep. And in this case, you know, you have the same thing. You have professional aircraft and you have these experimental aircraft. Here you, you have professional submarines. It takes $2 billion for the U.S. to build a, a, a submarine. Um, this one was probably built for somewhat less than that. And so, you know, we all have seen the PlayStation controller that was used. Um, you know, there have been, you know, some troublesome reports of people, other people that have actually been on this craft and, and said, I was nervous about how it was put together. Um, there are there mm. are people from in that same company um, that kind of complained. And I think a lawsuit was later filed um, saying like they were fired because they voiced uh, safety concerns. Uh, so, you know, there there is enough, I think, to be said that, you know, perhaps um, this vessel um, could have been uh, either constructed better or inspected better after its last dive. And they they say now that they've found or identified a debris field 
what what would that how does that work in other words is it is it is there does it sort of implode and then explode sort of thing or is it just a crushed what do they mean by debris field yeah so you're right you're exactly right they, it implodes and explodes and that's because in the back mm. in the rear portion the aft portion of this vessel there were oxygen tanks because as they're breathing you know we're we're breathing in basically 21% oxygen we're exp exhaling about 15% oxygen so if you're in an enclosed tube the oxygen level is constantly dropping um, and the carbon dioxide yeah. level is actually going up. So they have scrubbers to kind of absorb the uh, carbon dioxide. And then they have tanks that emit small amounts of oxygen to keep it at 21% or thereabouts. And so you have these, we all know, compressed pure oxygen is quite combustible. And so what happens is when that implosion takes place, it, it forces a great amount of pressure, squeezing into those, those tanks then explode. Um, from that pressure. So you have mm. kind of a two a two phase motion there. You have the implosion, then the explosion, and then the debris goes raining down, um, you know, in that spot. And so they found fairly, I'm surprised, fairly significant pieces of the tail cone, I believe, uh, of that vessel. And now these ROVs that are down there, they have great cameras on, high def cameras, low light cameras, and, and they're going to be able to record a lot of that. And and they also have manipulator arms that can grab things and, and retrieve things. And mm. so I'm, I'm expecting them to be recovering, you know, some of the debris to bring back to the surface and analyze further. Mm. Wow. Uh, it's a tragic story. I just, again, it, it uh, hits all of my anxieties <laughs> in, <laughs> almost in sequence. And uh, it's it's awful. Uh, I wish they had found the MH470, though, or 370. I, I'm still wondering. What Your head's going to that. Okay. So anyways, should we take some questions? Yes. Uh, do we want to talk to Zach and have him uh, propose his theory? Uh, Zach Voorhees, uh, our friend from the Project Veritas, got a lot of uh, of grief on social media. I saw because he went full conspiracy, and I thought we'd give him a chance to to tell his story here. Oh, uh, we like to hear all sides. Here. Well, not even all sides. Uh, Zach, what do you say? Hey, Drew, can you hear me? We got you. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I know that you're a little bit of a skeptic, so that's fine if you want to interrupt me and uh, try to correct it. But, um, yeah, I posted a really um, viral tweet today putting together a lot of different things. Uh, it's stuff that I've known for a while, um, and no one was talking about it. And so the gist of it is that uh, there's this theory that there's a coincidence between the sinking of the Titanic and the creation of the Federal Reserve due to a number of people that died on that ship. And specifically, there were four people that were against the creation of the Federal Reserve. It was uh, industrialist John Jacob Astor IV, Benjamin Guttenheim, Isidore Strauss, and George Zitton uh, Wedeen. And what's really interesting is that they actually touched on this in the movie Titanic. There's about a three-second clip uh, where Leonardo DiCaprio is, walking past a bunch of people arguing about the Federal Reserve, um, and then it's pretty much over. But when I saw this thing happen, um, I started to dig in. And one of the interesting things about this um, story is the fact that uh, in 2001, there was a treaty, uh, maybe it was even a little bit earlier, but Mike Pompeo signed a treaty that forbid the exploration of the Titanic. Uh, you have to be permitted be able to go there. It's highly regulated, in fact. And so this whole story was really weird because you've got an experimental 
submarine that wasn't certified. Um, you had inexperienced pilots, and it was controlled by what a PlayStation Four controller, similar. Um, and what's also really interesting is that the Rothschild funded this operation. They were one of the key investors in this company. Um, and so, what what company? The the submarine company. The submarine company, yeah. Uh, so David, well, I, 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 to me, that's almost—it's it, sort of comical that as soon as the Rothschild name comes in, everybody immediately runs to a conspiracy, which is so fascinating. But keep going. Yeah. So uh, entrepreneur and environmentalist joined. So David D. Rothschild, entrepreneur and environmentalist, joins Ocean Gate Incorporated board of directors. Like you can't make this stuff up, right? Um, and so. Uh, when I saw this and I saw the media attention, I kind of put a few things together and um, came to the conclusion that the reason why the media is pushing this is because they really don't want people to look at the Titanic. They want to lock it down so that uh, no one can visit it. Now, why, why is that? Well, look, we've all heard of the maxim of, uh, you know, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. And there's a corollary to this, which is icebergs can't break through hardened steel. Now, this Titanic ship, its whole size was one inch thick of carbon steel. That puts it into the class of an icebreaker, which is 25 millimeters to 75 millimeters. And those things are designed to just cut through not just the ice, but ice that's on the surface, which gets much, much colder and much, much harder. And so there's the theory that uh, there was an explosion, uh, that the ship was rigged with explosives. And I was a little skeptical. And so I started looking at the primary sources and what people were writing about the Titanic. And sure enough, um, there is story after story of the people that survived the Titanic that there was an explosion on board that didn't hit an iceberg. There was an explosion. And so I started looking for other signs that this might be kind of true. And what I found was a Smithsonian article that said that experts think that there was an undetected coal fire for two weeks preceding the hit with the iceberg and that this actually contributed to the structural integrity and the weakening. And so I, I think that what's happening is that it might be possible that they're kind of feeding the narrative with a limited disclosure so that if it does come out, hey, look, there might have actually been an explosion. They said, oh, we already knew that. That's old news. And so that's, that's essentially my theory, that this is a cover-up. They don't want people visiting the Titanic. They're going to strengthen the international treaties. They're going to shut down exploration of this ship. Well, uh, Zach, I, as always, I appreciate your thoughts. It's, it's, uh, are, are you... Uh a theorist that there was no moon landing and that uh, the government was involved in the 9-11, all that stuff. Just curious I mean, how I, far you go with your I mean, conspiracies. It's more complex than that. I think we did go to the moon. I think that we, you know, we're obviously in space. It's a, the final frontier. Um, when I look at some of the old videos, they're, they're laughably false. So it's, it's kind of a mind game that they're playing where they're, they're pushing out false videos. So the American public gets to say, Oh, it really happened or it didn't really happen. Um, but I do think a lot of the videos that they pushed out there are fake. I do believe we went to the moon. I do believe 
that we've got a space program and we can't observe it. We can't verify it. We can't, you know, falsify it. And so what they're doing out in space, what they've built out in the moon, who knows? Maybe one day we'll figure it out. Let me ask you this. What are you up to these days other than creating trouble on, on online? Ha. Well, uh, I'm involved in a project. Can't really talk about that uh, it, that much, but it is monitoring big. Aha! The Rothschilds must be involved. Program. It must be funded by the Rothschilds. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to dig too deeply into the funding strings on this project. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, it, okay. Right. So, but I, I do yeah. wake up every single day uh, enthusiastic about what I'm doing. All right. Good. Well, when you're ready to talk about, it, let us know. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dr. Drew. Amen. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, oh, boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's not addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. You bet, Zach Four. he's uh, from the Project Veritas. Well, you know, I, it seems to me, I've heard the explosion theory before too, uh, and there's various explosion theories, um, but not that they, they, I've never heard anybody say that the ship was rigged. Have you ever heard that one, Bobby? No, I have not. No, yeah. Yeah, it, it seems a bit far-fetched. And, and listen, if you reason from conclusion and... Uh, put too much weight on associations versus causations you can get into some pretty strange places pretty fast and occasionally they're right so i i'm all for uh free thinking and open-mindedness but uh humbly i i don't i don't go i don't go all the way there so in in, in a lot of things uh but you know we find out we uh, unfortunately covid was was a as a painful teacher and a lot of things that looked like not just conspiracy exactly. theory, but just but not necessarily accurate, turned out to be accurate. So it it, it calls into question a lot of stuff. And it, and I think I think some of this people are very frightened by uh, what's going on these days in terms of people going too conspiratorial. I say bring everything out in the light because I having worked in a psychiatric hospital for thirty five years, when people get a little paranoid, if you start clamping down information, they get much more paranoid and much more spinny in their thinking. So you just bring it all out 
Oh, there's your doggies. They're going through. Sorry. We're kind of, it's all right. And we're kind of going through a realignment and a rethinking of things. And hopefully people will get to the truth once again. So, all right, Bobby, I'm going to go uh, take some calls from people online. I don't know if we're going to have any more calls about the submarine. I appreciate your thoughts and expertise. You okay. want to kind of sit in the background with me? And um, sure. if there are sure. questions for you, I will... Uh, uh, bring you back in. Uh, we'll know pretty quickly if people are interested in that. Um, sure. This is Edward coming in here. Uh, you need to unmute yourself once you are connected. Uh, Edward, go ahead. Hello, Dr. Drew. Um, calling in Hello. from England. Uh, Cheers. Can you hear me okay? Uh, loud and clear. Can you hear me? Ah, perfect. Hello. Good evening to everybody. Um, right. I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but I, I've studied ancient history and there was something that the ancients used uh and this is going to get uh, a lot of rolling and get the eyes but it was numerology you know there's 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 vast amounts of information that the ancients brought that into into chaldea into babylonia and they used it they mapped the stars with it etc so we just just take a moment to step back and look at Look at the Vakutura, what Zach was saying, Titanic. Now, the Titanic, allegedly, supposedly, I don't know, I wasn't on it, it hit the iceberg on the 14th of the 4th, 1912. Now, if you add those numbers up, it comes to 22. Now, the Titan sub that was lost today was 22 feet long. It was lost on the 18th of the 6th, 2023. You add those numbers up, it comes to 22. Its debris was found today, which is the 22nd. The Federal Reserve was created on the 23rd of the 12th, 1913. You add those numbers up, it comes to 22. Element 22. I love this guy. <laughs> this is, uh, you're getting into my wife's territory here. Element 22 on the periodic table is titanium, named after titans. Now, I don't know if you've seen that Z floating around Ukraine, but Z is actually the symbol for the atomic number. It's what I did, I'm, I'm into mathematics, and the probabilities of all that being coincidental are quite astronomical. <laughs> I'd like your thoughts on that. Well, uh, my thoughts are, I, I really, um, again, I love free thought. I love free thinking. Uh, I can tell this you. This is math, though, Drew. This is math. Do the math. <laughs> it's numerology. It's not math. I love numerology. Math. Is a, no, it's, everything is math, Drew. Everything is math. We understand. Well, universe. that's the point. The that, that's your math. point. That's a point. Uh, that's a point I will take uh, on as a factual. How come uh, when I said it was math, you said no, it wasn't? No, no, no. <laughs> you said everything is math, which is true. And so, yes, it's, you know, if you keep following all the way down, yeah, everything is math, and of course, this is math too. But, but uh, you, you guys maybe screwed up my what my point was going to be now, which which was that, that people went oftentimes when they try to figure out the probability of whether something is likely or not likely to happen. They've actually, you actually have to inverse the question and ask, what's the probability of these things not happening? And so when coincidences occur, the probability, you start to find out the probability of coincidences not happening are rather low. Things like somebody in the room, if you have more than 20 people, they're going to have the same birthdays the same, that, that kind of thing. Now, having said that, Susan loves this stuff, so I'm glad you brought it up. And you should be aware that whenever we, she and I have talked to a numerologist, they freak out 
Like so, there's something about our numbers that just line up. And Nicholas uh, Tesla said so, everything is energy, so everything is energy, frequency, vibration, and uh, I'm I'm not one to disagree with the great Nikola Tesla. Sorry to bust in. I am not either. In in in. Yes, and everything is math. Everything is describable by math, and 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 you know we should be doing more math. To be fair, and in a weird way, we're just interfaces, right? We're just using. We don't see reality as it is. We we see it through the interface of this evolved instrument in our skull, which is highly limited, highly limited. And uh, I I appreciate things like this, Susan. You really love this stuff, right? I love it. <laughs> this I is, believe in it. This is Sarah. I also I think that the Titanic is haunted. Somewhere. Haunted. Yeah. Okay, here we're, we're going all the way down today. <laughs> What's that, Caleb? I, I have a little bit of numerology for you right here. Let me show you. Okay. So uh, this is, is my, my son ah. right over here on the screen, right? So my son's birthday mm -hmm. is 7-21-21, July 21st of 2021, right? Well, you take the 7 mm -hmm. and you do this. Now, this divided by 3 is 777 Divide by three, mm -hmm. then this divided by three, seven, 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 seven sevens. And should we add and that my, up? My, 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 my son has seven. seven sevens of his birthday. He is the, uh, the, the, the coming of the next Christ. Ah, okay, okay, okay. And seven's my lucky number. And uh, we have 11s all over the place. Well, I do that trick seven. for all of my friends. It shows just how, how much we love our child. <laughs> I know. Uh, freaks them out every time. This is, this is Sarah, I believe. Sarah, go ahead. Hi, Dr. Drew. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Awesome. Uh, I just want to say for context for anybody listening to me that I did have oral surgery this morning and I have gauze in my mouth. So if I'm not speaking 100% clearly, it's because of that. Um, so I know that, you know, we talked, uh, yeah, no problem. We talked a little bit. Um, and uh, I've been talking to Steve Kirsch, as you know. Um, and really today, I just want to ask you a question. And I want to ask you if you know who Jack Piper is. Do I know who Jack Piper is? I don't think so. Should I know him? Let me look it up. P-I-P-E-R. Uh, go ahead. Look it up. Jack Piper and then put in Andrew Wakefield at the same time. Andrew Wake Andrew Wakefield was the guy that was the big autism guy, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wakefield stuff takes over. There's no, no, no Jack Piper, but tell me who Jack Piper is. Okay. So if you put it, if you put both those names in quotation marks, it might come up in Google search. That's a little Google food technique mm, okay. that I like to use. Um, okay. Jack Piper is one of the uh, original 12 kids in Wakefield study. And he suffered okay. immensely at being a part of that study. His bowel was perforated in 12 different places because they were doing a colonoscopy on a five-year-old, which the medical board determined was not clinically appropriate. And I personally think that this is the first instance of anti-vaxxers experimenting on and abusing autistic children. And so mm. that's kind of why I do a lot of my advocacy. I wanted to kind of let you know and kind of put that in your ear that this is why I care about this issue so much, because there are a lot of things that the anti-vaccine community would not let to talk to you about i have never I, there's no even pro-vaccine people because i talk to a lot of people there are a lot of pro-vaccine people mm -hmm. who have never heard of jack piper either and i think it's really important yeah. to think about the suffering that he endured i mean the, the the hospital ended up paying out 
over 500,000 pounds to his family for his suffering, and he's going to need lifelong care, in addition to the fact that he was already mm. autistic. So I just, that's kind of, that's just want to come in and pop in and see if you knew about um, him. I did talk with uh, uh, Steve Kirsch about that, and his response to that, to be fair, I want to make sure I, I get his response out there, was that he did not think that Wakefield was ultimately responsible, in my opinion, because Wakefield's the lead author, and he's the one who develops the protocol. Mm -hmm. He is ultimately responsible. The protocol. The protocol for... For the experiments. What's, what's he, he developed the experiments that they were going to, he was, it was the uh, lumbar punctures, colonoscopies. Um, those were the, the, uh, because they were trying to, they were trying to prove that the measles virus was present in the gut. So that's why they had to do the colonoscopies because ah, they were trying to find evidence of the measles virus. And got I think it, that if, it, you, if you actually read Wakefield's general, the, the uh, British Medical Council, when they actually list out all the things he did wrong, it talks about how a lot of those procedures were not clinically indicated and the reason why Wakefield's license was stripped from him is because there was a, there was a little bit of dishonesty on the medical histories of those children yeah. and again at the end of the well, day even, Jack Piper suffered. Even if not even if not even if everything was up front this is pretty crazy stuff right um, now the, yeah, the article so. I'm reading here oh my god we're gonna we're going to try to determine the cause of autism by doing invasive procedures on children. I I don't think so. Um, the 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 article I keep saying here keeps referring to a surgery though. It makes me wonder if there was uh, like they did biopsies with the colonoscopy, ruptured his colon with that, yes. went back in with an open surgery, and had many complications from that. Maybe some something's missing in even the reporting of it. So it's just sort of not all fitting together. But yes, uh, to do lumbar punctures and colonoscopies, uh, for the record, on children for spurious reasons, I do not... <laughs> I I condemn that categorically. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm excited to talk you to bet. Steve Kirsch about that because he does Fair not enough. agree with me. <laughs> Wild. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. appreciate that. Uh, and uh, let's get... Uh, hold on here. I've got to get... Uh, goodness, I have lots of hands up here. I appreciate that. Marcel. Whoops. Oh, ooh. There we go, Marcel. I think I got you. Oh, it went away. Scott Adams is listening. Thank you, Scott, for hanging out. We're just taking calls today. We did a, a just to um, tell, I'm going to bring my friend Scott Adams up to date here. What we were doing, we were, we were giving a report on the submersible vessel that uh, disintegrated in the, in the. Bobby uh, has one more thing to say. Oh, Bobby, that. come on back in. We'll, we'll go to break. Go ahead. <laughs> I think he's there. The, the gentleman that was, yeah, I'm here. The, the gentleman that was on earlier yep. and he had the four names. I think there was a tweet that showed a tweet of four names of people that he thought yes. were connected. So those four, so Isidore Strauss is on that list. Isidore Strauss, I noticed her. So yeah, so she's number three on that list. I believe, I believe, it's some, from what I've read this week, that that's the great grandmother or the grandmother of the wife now widow of the pilot of the Titan vessel. Um, and Strauss, oh, interesting. You know, Strauss department stores. I think that the wife is a uh, heir to some department store, maybe Macy's, I don't know, but I know Strauss was always a big uh, department store. So I think that Isidore Strauss and her husband both perished on, on the Titanic. Um, they were actually kind of a, there was a scene in the Titanic movie and Jim Cameron movie where this elderly couple's in bed as the water flushes into their, 
uh, cabin. That was kind of supposedly based on them. Um, and supposedly the story goes that they actually they were these very rich people, but they were helping uh, women and children into the light boats and they didn't get into one themselves and they perished. Now she is either the grandmother, great grandmother, great great grandmother of the wife, now widow of, of um, the guy who built the vessel that perished this week. Maybe that's why they had an interest in doing this. Maybe. Maybe. And uh, we'll see what. We'll see what conspiracy Zach weaves from that. <laughs> I like Zach. He'll, he'll weave another, another couple layers to his story. But but uh, to Zach's point, he was saying that the four of these industrialists that were on the Titanic were against the foundation of the Federal Reserve, and he's theorizing that that has something to do with something. So, but again, uh, we appreciate thoughts, everybody. Uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to let Bobby go, uh, and then we're going to go back to your calls on any topic after this little break here. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Doc. I suspect you've seen Susan and I gushing over Paleo Valley products. We love the taste and how well they fit into a paleo-based nutrition regimen. They're delicious, and we use them for travel all the time. But there is more. We are huge fans as well of Paleo Valley's grass-fed bone broth protein. It comes in three flavors, unflavored, vanilla and chocolate. It's a powder you can add to really anything. We add it to coffee literally every day. Smoothies, baked dishes, or just hot water dissolves really easily. The bone broth protein is made with 100% grass-fed and finished bones that are free from pesticides or antibiotics and are slow simmered to extract as much collagen as possible. As we age, collagen breaks down. That's what wrinkles are. And research shows that there are significant benefits to adding a collagen source in your diet. I don't think it's too much to say it's changed our lives. And Susan is now reporting that after drinking the bone broth for a few weeks, her hair is stronger and longer and nails are stronger too. Try it for yourself. You can order at drdrew.com slash paleovalley and use Dr. Drew at checkout to save an additional 15%. A lot of you have been asking for more information about how to counter the adverse effects of the spike protein from COVID infections and the COVID vaccine. The spike protein is not your friend. Let's just say that. So I'm glad we have the wellness company Spike Support Formula as a sponsor, especially since renowned internist and cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough, who's also chief scientific officer of the wellness company, is one of its champions. There's some very intriguing research around natokinase, which might be a way to take on the spike protein. Listen to this. So start, if you would, with talking about natokinase, how you got to that and where you see its application. So with the viral infection or the vaccines, the spike protein stays within the body and it's found in the heart, the brain, the vital organs, and it's causing problems. The Japanese have been using this for heart and vascular disease now for 20 years. It's safe. It is a form of a mild blood thinner that it dissolves the spike protein nearly completely. Spike support formula is the only product on the market containing natokinase, dandelion root, and a host of other antioxidants all showing promise in helping you protect yourself and your family. To order this unique, specially formulated supplement, go to drdrew.com TWC. That is drdrew.com TWC. Use code DREW at checkout for 10% off today. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval, dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k 
maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com slash Drew for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. I do not give financial advice, and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew to get your free info kit on gold. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D dot com slash D-R-E-W. And we are back. I'm taking your calls. I was just sitting here thinking about uh, my beloved Annals of Internal Medicine. This is the very journal, I'm telling you, this actual, this particular May, uh, volume 176, number five, is the journal that began to show differing ideas around COVID and vaccines, just asking questions. First time I've seen, and by the way, in this journal, there's an excellent article on oral fluvoxamine with inhaled budesonide for treatment of early onset COVID-19 showing very good response. So for the first time, you see an early treatment protocol being actually analyzed in a legitimate journal before anything that came out positive was expunged from the record because I knew it was going back and forth. It didn't make sense to me that we we were only seeing outcomes going one way. It never happens that way in medicine. That's how you know there's something wrong with the editorial process. It was really a st very strange time. And so Annal seems to be slowly melting the ice on bringing in. Now, I just read the uh, this this week's uh, publication. There was nothing unusual in it, but at least when I, as I read it, I felt, well, I can at least rely on this journal and, and the editorial process that brings these articles to 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 my uh, awareness. Winston, uh, go right ahead there. You need to unmute yourself. Go ahead. Hey, what's happening, Dr. Drew? I can't, I can't believe it. You're taking my call at four uh, on June 22nd. That's just amazing. <laughs> I know. Wait a minute. 2023. <laughs> add those numbers all together quick. <laughs> and if I don't like the answer I get from that, I just add an additional layer to it. You see what I do? And then June. And then yeah, you just add another variable. Add 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 another variable. I'm in the state of California, which was the what number state to the, uh, added to the union? Maybe we could get something going there. Yeah, that is reasoning from that. That's like well, okay. It's how our brains work, guys. It's how how the brains work. We're, we're looking for meaning even when we don't necessarily see any. It, I mean, it's the old uh, accounting trick, you know, you, you torture numbers long enough, they'll confess to anything. But uh, I, I just wanted to say that with the... the oh, just one stuff, second. Like, somebody just, said yesterday, one second, one second. Somebody said yesterday, I think it was, uh, an, uh, I forget the, who the quote was from, but he said, the plain and simple truth is uh, it's it's never, never simple and rarely plain. <laughs> so there we go. So what's up? Again, man, Hanlon's razor. But, you know, like I just who considers himself a bit of a tinfoil top hat. Like I gotta, I gotta just thank the internet for the real conspiracy theories out there who, when anything happens at all, you will instantly see a flood of stories. Like I saw one today that uh, two of the people on the submarine were members of the world economic forum and they were going to blow the lid off it. And it's, it's just so striking to me how literally anything it's like human brains just can't, except chaos is, is part of existence that has to right. be a reason behind that, everything that, that that's right and so that that motivation to make sense of things has many layers to it and and motivational aspects 
Uh, one is to make sense to feel safe so you can understand things and continue to move through the world. Another is to sort of gain some control or mastery over things if you feel you have some special insight into things. And the other is just, you know, you just, you get scared uh, and in the face of fear, it's easy to get paranoid and then you run to conclusions to try to diminish the fear. Well, and it all ties full circle into into the, the the COVID narrative. I mean, humans have always needed that that explanation. I mean, roll back the clock a few thousand years, lightning strikes a tree. Hey, did you light that tree on fire? No, I didn't. It must be God. So then a God does it. And and as we've kind of transitioned away from that, it's it's become the, the you know the the Fauci's of the world have kind of become the, the high priest, but it's still serving that same I guess I would say evolutionary niche, right or wrong. Right. Uh, right. That's right. It's an evolutionary. So some reason, you know, we evolved in such a way that that kind of that sort of meaning making served us well when we were trying to predict where an animal was going to be or, you know, learn about raising crops or something. These these kinds of ability to predict. But it, we really I, I think people are, you know, Scott Adams is lurking here on the on the show. I think he still is here. Uh, and he likes the, you know, sort of uh, what do you guys call it? The same thing that. Um, Elon Musk calls it uh, the oh gosh darn it, but anyway, the, I'm hearing people more and more talk simulation. about uh, a, a sort of simulation. Thank you, Caleb. More, talking more about us being more of an interface, which I think is really a very accurate way of, of thinking about things. At very minimum, our brain is an interface. Our, our sensory system is an interface. We are not experience raw reality. It's an interpreted reality. It's an experience of reality that grew out of millions of years of evolution, but it's not reality per se and uh, i think that freaks well, people out it freaks people out quite a bit no i think an interface is, is fantastic i mean i i toyed around with simulation theory and i best i have it at 50 50 with the one question that kind of breaks the brain is do you think on a long enough timeline humans would be able to create a simulation indiscernible from reality be it 100 years 500 years right. and if you answer yes to that question right. it's well odds are we're in it and so that i'm like oh no Right. I, I can't wrap my head around that, but be it a biological interface or a digital one, I think interface is, is incredibly apt description of, of kind of the, the human experience, again, biological yeah. or, or digital. Yeah, and I, but, I even, I'll go one step further with you guys, which is, uh, you you know, I've always been extremely preoccupied with spooky action at a distance, right? As, as uh, Einstein called it, which is also called entanglement, which is that if you look at a, the certain spin state of an electron, say, you know, when I do a quantum measurement of this table, uh, you'll find, and let's go now out 12 light years away and look at another quantum measurement, it will have the exact opposite spin in 100% of the cases. How is that entangled unless there's sort of some sort of um, uh, hologram, you know, that the real reality exists in some sort of point where things can be entangled and what we're experiencing is more of a holographic representation of that point. Does that make sense to anybody? Well, see, I, I tend to kind of think that we're not in a simulation because just even trying to wrap my brain around that, I'm getting a nosebleed. So I'm not sure that really works well to it. Yeah, but. I know. Well, it doesn't help us. It doesn't do much in terms of getting through the day, does it? So I'm, I'm no, sort of, no, I, I listen. I, I, I think we need we need to bring back the pragmatists, right? There, that American pragmatism. Pragmatism was invented in America in the 19th century. We need to bring back pragmatism on behalf of human beings, of human thriving. So, uh, Josh, go ahead. I bring you on up. 
Hey, thriving is the is the goal. Thriving is the goal, everybody. Not not a complete understanding of all things that we call real. What's up? Yeah, I really like the uh, American pragmatism because I feel like there's a link to psychoanalysis uh, from that, which is sort of you know let's just do some scientific exploration of the mind. And like what Freud did, you know, in the early days, he just wanted to try to figure out what was really going on with people. But um, my yes. question is, I'll give, I'll yeah, give you that. yeah. And my question is something you said just really quickly yesterday. You were talking about in addiction, how when someone is trying to really recover and to go all the way to recovery, it helps to help other people. And I was wondering if you could yes. say yes. more about that. That any you talk, uh, Josh. I challenge you to talk to any recovering person who's truly thriving in their life and sustaining their recovery. They will all tell you the same thing, which is that being of service becomes a critical piece. So, so fundamentally, uh, in, in its sort of basic elements, what what sobriety and the, and the sort of recovery process, so called twelve step process, is founded on, is some some concept of faith so you're not controlling things yourself let go have faith that you're letting go as possible without being drained so some concept of faith uh some ability to tolerate closeness with another human being while you have experiences so this is sort of this fourth and fifth step where you explore unpleasant feeling states and allow another person to experience that there with you so let's see faith uh sort of closeness and then uh, fundamentally, it is just about giving back. It is about service. There's so much, so like that person who is the sponsor sitting there listening to the addict earlier in the game, earlier in the process, is learning about him or herself as they are that person as a sponsor. I will tell you, as somebody that's sat in therapeutic settings with patients, you learn about yourself. You learn about what's you and what's not you. Uh, a lot of stuff. You learn a lot of things that, that go on between people that if you aren't able to really hear it and listen to it you'd miss you'd miss and that's that teaches you something every day it's a very rich landscape but more importantly um there's something about just one person helping another that is deeply meaning meaningful uh the the aristotle knew it he pointed it out uh many thousands or how many thousands a couple thousand years ago whatever it was um and it, it it is just comes up all the time for human beings. Uh, look, when uh, I'm going to point at the the um, myth of Gilgamesh, which is the first myth that's ever been sort of recorded or, or found. And in the myth of Gilgamesh, this king leaves his kingdom and goes out on an adventure with somebody named Enkidu. And when he comes back, you know, what has he learned? What do you learn? Have you come back from the massive crazy adventure? Is Serve your people. <laughs> be a good king. Serve your people. Be, be available to others. Uh, Candide, Voltaire, at the end of Candide, what, he goes on this world tour, and as he gets back after seeing horrors, what does he conclude? It's necessary to cultivate our own gardens. Stay focused on the things in front of you. Your garden, your family, your people, things you care about, and cultivate it. Be of service to it. This is a very powerful message that is, that is uh, I think, often missed. And I think people get a misconception that uh, somehow you can sort of save the world, that that's going to make, that's going to fulfill you. It does not, it turns out. I'm, I'm not saying it's not a good thing. It's a good thing to, to try to make big change in a way that can help lots of people. But it does not nourish 
the way just being available to one other human being is. And one of the things that Aristotle pointed out that we also miss these days is that in order to be truly of service in a way that has significant impact, you have to have a certain amount of what he called phronesis, which is wisdom, so experience, and two, techne, or skill. Uh, it's one thing I, I'm very aware of as somebody that's trained in medicine and a lot of experience, that these two things can allow me to provide something very meaningful to another person. And that is what I would call nourishing. And for people in recovery, they need to be regularly nourished and sort of mm, back to the cultivate, fertilized with uh, the experiences of other and trying to help others. So uh, thank you for that question, Josh. Byron will give you a chance up here. Uh, once you Again, everybody, once you are connected, you have to unmute your mic so I can talk to you further. Uh, Byron. Oh, somebody's saying that Joseph Campbell had that all set up too. I've never heard him say that, but it doesn't surprise me that, that he would. I would probably argue that uh, Jordan Peterson gets something very, very similar. Byron, unmute your mic and we'll have you up. All right, I, I have a little bit of a rule here. If it goes too long, I throw you back in uh, and give somebody else a chance. I'll, I'll keep, if, you, if you put your hand back up, I will, of course, give you an opportunity if I possibly can. Ashley, I'll give you a chance at this point. Ashley, you're you're giving me the sad face, but you are now up here. There you are. Now, now unmute that mic in the lower left-hand corner. Everyone see the little microphone with the red line through it? Caleb, did you just show your little cartoon? Is that what I saw? Yeah, I just showed it. She's she's coming. It's uh Okay. Something's up with it. Again, this is a spaces issue. That it takes a while to unmute. Yeah, and it's it's for some reason sometimes people they they can't get it to unmute like it's just locked on a mute because it's showing on, on oh. one thing it's muted and the other one it's not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It, uh, well, I'm gonna give Ashley a second to unmute. Huh. Uh, and then Caleb, you have a hard out at quarter after, or is it at the bottom of the hour? On about it. Uh, about 15 in. Yeah, so I have like 20 more minutes. I'm okay. Good. Okay. Ashley, yeah, I'm sorry. A, uh, you know what I'm going to do? Seems I'm to be a technical to, issue. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave her up. And if she gets through, if you see that her mic unmute, let me know. I'm going to give Travis a chance. He's had He's been at the hand up for quite some time. Travis. It would be interesting to see if he has the same problem that uh, Ashley's having. He, he seems to be having a problem connecting. You seeing that, Caleb? Same thing I'm yeah, seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing it. It's Well, it, it's also odd because on, on one device that I have here, it shows that they are unmuted. On the others, it, they're still muted. So it's, it's a Twitter spaces issue. Do you want to maybe uh, call them up from your phone there? Yes, I'll do it. I'm going to bring oh, up Travis Ashley now. Travis went back in. Okay. And we can, we can keep doing it that way, too. You know, I can just call the names, and you can go ahead and, and bring them up, all right? I got a second now to read the... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to read your guys on the restream and over at the Rumble Rants as well. You guys are behaving yourself today, I noticed. Uh, okay. Let's try to bring up Christy. Okay, go ahead, Christy. 
Ah, Dan asked, what about the new shots for XBB.1.5? Um, I need to see the data. I need to understand who that is for. Uh, I'm getting very confused by a lot of the vaccine data now. I, I've, I noticed that the pediatricians have zero tolerance for any mortality risk, for, ch for young children in particular. And that, I, again, if the vaccine is 100% safe, the, and again, I'm seeing risk ratios of like one per 100,000, one per 250,000 for kids that probably have underlying medical problems, though that's not specified in the data I saw. I'm just guessing that's true based on my experience. How it is, is it is it the case that we can say the vaccine is just 100% uh, uh, not just safe, but also efficacious in ending the, preventing those deaths? It's a little difficult for me to see that from the data that we have. There's some of it that does suggest that. I've, I've seen the stuff that um, some of the folks have sent my way. But mostly I see the risk benefit being clear in the very elderly population where we understand the risk, we understand the benefit, we understand the risk of the vaccine, and it it the risk reward sort of bears out as you get into younger population. It's not so clear to me any longer. And the fact that, again, the risk to an adult, a 70-year-old with severe COVID, is not one per 100,000 dying. It's substantially higher than that. So the risk of the vaccine is worth taking uh, for an elderly person. But for a 17-year-old, it, it's not clear to me that there is that might be fine i'm not saying that the risk is uh something you should be alarmed about but the risk reward i'm just not sure i'm seeing there christine are you there i am can you hear me okay oh, good good am i making sense wanna... with sort of my analysis here in terms of you know, risk reward sort of sort of assessments yeah i was actually calling in to talk about psychology though because it was the uh, it seems to be a theme today and my daughter's birthday is on the Go 22nd ahead. Oh, but let's read more into that. <laughs> so <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, some, some people know me, but they don't know also besides this science. I have a degree in sociology and then two majors in grad school in psychology, and I'm graduating soon to be a, a psychotherapist. And uh, I'm writing a book currently, Excellent. and I just wanted to ask you about something and talk about it. And I've got a bunch of data and research articles that I'm in studies. But the, the most significant one that I found, because I'm writing a book on the impact of psychology, attachment trauma, trauma, pain management, substance abuse, the whole thing. And I found this study that was really interesting that I've talked about before, and it's uh, named Zoomed Out. And I can put it in the, the Twitter you know comments underneath the chat there. But uh, they okay. did a study on over 600 people worldwide. They ran it over several months. And they were studying the features and symptoms of depersonalization. And they mm -hmm. broke things down to online meetings, texting, being on social media. And overall, they found what you'd expect that would be higher rates of depersonalization were positively correlated with higher uses of even texting. It didn't have to be mm -hmm. uh, like an interactive thing where you'd be watching TV versus being on Twitter. But then they also found higher rates of negative emotions that were corresponding right. with the depersonalization. But then the, the craziest thing in the study, they said it didn't matter if you tried to mitigate with going outside or being around other people. I was just curious, like what you had seen, because I think you know you still see patients. And I was just I'm not so 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 I'm not quite sure what we're 
let's let's try to figure out what we're, what we're reporting here. So depersonalization, not de- dissociation. Correct, because because de- there's depersonalization, dissociation, and then derealization. And dissociation yeah, is yeah. when you're and, completely out of it, and depersonalization when you're kind of half in, half out, where you, where you're not quite there, but you have these moments of yeah. It's it's a it's a know. different experience. It's a different experience. So 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 depersonalization is a feeling that I'm no longer existing. I stop existing. Derealization is reality looks like a dream to me. It's not real dissociation can be a lot of different things. You can have somatoform dissociation where you disconnect from the body and the body becomes a source of disorganized information and is frightening and activates the amygdala every time somebody has the slightest pain. That is, you know, the insular cortex is very involved in this as well. And people have shown very clearly that the somatoform dissociation is associated with chronic pain. Then there is dissociation from perception. You can, as you say, you sort of just become in a, go into a fugue state. And there's sort of more kind of survival dissociation, which is a, a sense of, again, derealization, but disconnecting from the experience of self and other and the environment. And dissociation essentially is a way of disconnecting from painful feelings, overwhelming feelings. It's a shattering of the body's ability to regulate feeling states. It's it's something mediated by the vagus nerve. You ought to look at the work of uh, Peter Fonagy, okay? F O. Uh, no, I'm sorry, oh, not Fonagy, but uh, well, no, no, it's uh, uh, Stephen Porges, P O R G E S, who has this these mechanisms all completely worked out neurobiologically. Uh, and then, if you want to go further, the world, the word of uh, the world of Alan Shore, S C H O R E, the world of interpersonal neurobiology, where again there are mechanisms kind of worked out for all this stuff. So, so back to your question about excess time spent in social media adding to depersonalization. I'm not quite sure what that means and what we're seeing. And then that being in reality or in the world doesn't diminish symptoms. I mean that that yeah, seems like a lot of different Caleb's, things. Yeah, I, I sent you. It seems like a Caleb's lot of different study. stuff. Yeah, I I cannot imagine uh, a way in which depersonalization and those sorts of symptomatologies are not improved with engagement in the socio-emotional exchange system, as we call it, which is the foundation of uh, interpersonal neurobiology. Uh, it's why therapy works. It's why everything works. Why trauma therapy works. And and then there's the attachment system, which is a another system, a separate system, um, that gets enlisted through these interpersonal neurobiological mechanisms. And when the brain can't do these things, uh, and it looks for there's something called Jacksonian dissolution, as the brain sort of as it is unable to manage things in the present moment, it it drops down to lower and lower and lower functions. It sort of uh, it it you know we we as humans have evolved, it's not like we left our reptilian past behind and developed a new brain. We tended to develop neurological mechanisms on top of old mechanisms and what the what happens in the brain when it gets overly stressed is it drops down it just he, keeps trying lower and lower and lower mechanisms for survival and what they what you finally get to is the freeze response which is something the reptiles do, and it's mediated 
it's mediated by the actually the vagus. It's deeper than the amygdala. Amygdala really is just telling you saliency that that's important, and then it tri can trigger fear and other things. But fear is a sympathetic reaction, while the vagal output is shutdown, complete shutdown, preparing for a strike. And vagus, when it gets enlisted in these shutdown mechanisms early in life, tends to build dissociation and dissociative mechanisms as a means of dealing with overwhelming emotion. It's a, it's a very complicated topic. That, right? What's sometimes, Sorry, well, you, say, mm, sometimes we it's, want it's, it's like never, it, remember in a car accident. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's adaptive, but it's unhealthy, right? It's survival in the moment, but it leaves a residual. Okay, and that residual is unhealthy in that it becomes a means of dealing with overwhelming trauma. And the problem is it walls off that trauma or whatever, and you can no longer regulate it with the rest of the brain. And that's why things like EMDR reach in and bring it back and help regulate it with the rest of the system. Again, using the socio-emotional exchange system of interpersonal neurobiology. Again, why therapy works. Christy, if, I got to uh, try a couple other people. I'm running out of time. If people want to see Thank you most so that, much. I'll look for that article. Yeah. I, if I email or that article. It. Is that the nature.com nature okay. article? It must be. You can send email to me and I'll let you know if that, that's what it looks if, like. Okay. If that is, then I uh, added it to the website. And if people want to actually read it, then they just have to uh, go to the link that's going to be at the bottom of the screen. It's, uh, where is it? It's uh, drdrew.com okay. slash... Six two 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 zero two three. Okay, bringing. I I'm pulling Liberty up. We'll see if uh, Liberty gets there. Should be good. Liberty. Hello, Doctor Drew. How are you? Um, I had. Hey there. Uh, What's happening? <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. I I I saw. Um, I have uh, uh, two topics. I wanted to see which one uh, you might want to address. Uh, it said your calls on any topic, and I'm not sure if that might be political or not, or, or just entirely medical, but I'll start with the medical question. Um, okay. I, I wanted uh, to, to have your thoughts uh, regarding uh, social media censorship and health issues, and uh, whether you see any inherent uh, risks or dangers associated with that. That's my first question. Are there inherent risks and dangers associated with with social media? Is that what you say? Uh, with with uh, curtailing uh, uh, robust and open discussion about health issues on social media. Are there health consequences of curtailing robust uh, dialogue? Uh, I mean, it, it all would, it seems to me it would all be second order or indirect in the sense that, again, when you, when you shut down conversations, when you, uh, sort of reduce access to, you know, all information, people get paranoid. They don't know who to trust. They go to alternative sources. And yes, that can have a significant effect on, on uh, health. It seems to me, I mean, we're, we live in a time we've got to restore health in medicine excuse me, trust in medicine and trust in public health. And to me, that's about examining everything. Right. I, 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 I do appreciate that. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I, uh, okay. I, I thought of that question within, within the context of, uh, of COVID, but I intended it more generally, obviously. Okay. Um, okay. And I agree. Um, 
Are, are you are you fielding uh, political questions as well, or just medical? Go go ahead. Let's hear what you got. Well, I'll I'll tell you what's got me concerned uh, this week. Um, and if it's a little bit off topic, you just let me know right away. Uh, the okay. uh, Biden administration. Or if, I, if I can't comment, I will. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Biden Fair administration. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, they uh, they gifted the Ayatollah's regime three billion dollars, three billion dollars, and uh, the the apparent incidentally they did it for uh, the reasons of uh, helping to uh, alleviate COVID, which is bizarre right. because there's no COVID in, in Iran, and everybody knows that money goes towards terrorism. Um, mm. And that's got that's got me concerned because the 2024 election is um, just around the corner, and the concern is that a percentage of that money gets kicked back into our election system. And well, again, I, this I is your, you, I, to me this to me this goes back to the idea of free access to information. Your your the the problem is you don't trust where this money's going because you don't feel like you're getting a full disclosure from the government what they're doing. And, um, you know, of course, I, you can have all kinds of thoughts about what might be happening, where the money might be going. And it all sounds bad to me, too. I agree with you. And uh, I, there's just so many examples of, you know, RFK said one thing. And I just, this one thing that, that really struck me that I will not soon forget. Somebody asked him, you know, how are you going to get, um, I think it was some question like, how are you going to get people to trust the government? He goes, just make, just be honest. That's it. Oh, no, it was actually the question was, how are you going to get America to unite? And he said, require the government to be honest. If the government is just honest in at all times and, you know, carefully, um, reasonably, thoroughly transparent, there will not be such disagreement. There be, we won't be falling apart all the time the way we are and fighting with one another. Let me get Ann in here. Uh, I think it was his what he had said was, may have been even more forceful because he said he wants the government to stop lying, which is an active like stop yeah. telling us lies. <laughs> well, it's the same thing as tell the truth. I mean, goodness sakes. I mean, it, it's it's <laughs> it is not it may even something be a step that, between that, those two where it's like they need to stop lying first and then go to telling the truth. They're they're actively telling us things that aren't accurate. Right. Exactly. All right. Um, I wanted to get Stephen up here really quick. We talked to him yesterday. I'm going to get him back in here. I've got very limited time left, and I thought I could squeeze him in. Uh, Stephen is a, another internist, and I'd be curious to hear some of his thoughts. Stephen, yeah, we have I limited know. time, my friend. Uh, limited time, right. so I'm going to uh, and I enjoy talking to you. So let's let's get this going. Okay. There is a tribe in Papua New Guinea that doesn't believe in aging or disease as natural phenomena. They believe that they are naturally immortal and healthy, and anything else is caused by witchcraft. And so when they get sick, when they get old, when they certainly when they die, they look for the witch. And uh, the punishment for witchcraft are exactly what you imagine. They torture and kill people. And I wonder if that's kind of the natural Fantastic. state of the human. Um, I, I wonder if I, I've seen so much looking for the witch in this polarized country that I wonder yeah. if we're sort of back to that. And I have seen so many conspiracy theories that I can't even name them, and you can name them better than I do, but they all go down to finding yeah. someone to blame for, for something in our very mechanical universe. We live in a very mechanical universe. Someone is not to blame yeah. for everything. Uh, and, and you shouldn't look for malice when you can explain it with inattention or neglect or carelessness or all those things that we all know about. 
So there's yep. my little philosophical uh, No, I listen, I I I think you're on to something. I've always tried to figure out an evolutionary explanation for child sacrifice uh and the way it was has been practiced in in antiquity which is usually taking the best genetic specimen i mean that that makes no sense from a from an evolutionary standpoint and uh killing you know the best genetic endowments that the population has that that is so contrary to evolutionary impulse i would think that there's got to be something you know again it's blaming something it's offering something it's sacrificing something all these things that humans do to try to gain control of this system the you're saying it's mechanistic the, the universe but it's also capricious and unpredictable and probabilistic and humans don't like probabilities our brains do terrible things with probabilities we don't do well with it you try to placate the universe by giving it something the most valuable thing yeah. you have, which is a yeah. kid. And that, but that's that, why that doesn't make sense. That that's so insane. How could that really? You know, it's just crazy. But it's just as insane as trying to find a witch. Yep. Yeah. So it's when our emotional systems, our primitive systems, take over that that we start doing. Now, by the way, infanticide exists in uh, in uh, our primate heritages, our primate uh, relatives um behaviors as well but it's a little more it doesn't seem so purposeful but maybe i don't know you know sometimes i wonder if we it's it's always the monkey riding the elephant right our our prefrontal cortices our conscious brain trying to make sense of our impulses maybe we make up these things that we're we're saying to ourselves to make sense of these stupid impulses that make no sense well, there are there are tribes of chimpanzees that go and kill uh, infants from other tribes, and the bono the bonobos uh, chimps don't don't seem to do any of that. So it's very complicated. Yep, it's complicated exactly. All right, thank you for calling. See, appreciate it very much. Uh, appreciate all of you for spending a little time a little time with us and uh, taking calls. We appreciate Bobby Chacon coming in and giving us some explanation of what his opinion is uh, went down in the um, the tragedy uh, in this submersible which went down to examine the Titanic. Um, again, I, it's just an unthinkable, I, I don't, it gets all my anxieties going, so it's hard for me to even think about it, I must say. But in any event, uh, uh, let's put the upcoming shows up here, Caleb. Uh, we have, I know Tom Rents coming in on Wednesday. He is the attorney that's been uh, looking at all the FOIA documents, got some interesting insights, and particularly want to drill in on the idea that some of this gain of function funding that our government um, engaged in was counter espionage he sort of hinted that there may be something like that going on there john bowden is the um gentleman from massachusetts that was looking at the um looking at death certificate data and trying to make sense of that july 3rd vivek ramaswamy coming in should be an interesting conversation and july 5th cat lindley so until we are today thursday so tuesday correct caleb three o'clock that's uh, pacific time we will we will see you then Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. 
If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 